Thank you for tuning in to The Arts in Business, a podcast that explores how artistic sensibilities can positively impact the business world. Many aspects of our daily existence are impacted by small and big businesses, and conversations around sustainability and customer-centered engagements have become more prevalent in the past years. Artists engage with existential questions of our human existence and can challenge many of our common business practices. How can an artistic lens or the sensibilities that an artist uses in their daily practice improve the way businesses are run and how they communicate? Through interviews with entrepreneurs, artists, and professionals, the show investigates how our communities can be transformed by actively engaging an artistic lens in our professional settings. I am Sebastian Grube, an artist, entrepreneur, and communications professional who aims to build a more compassionate world through amplifying voices. I am also the founder of Beyond Comms, a communications agency that unearths and amplifies the stories that inspire founders to build sustainable and impactful businesses. So let's dive in. Hi, dear listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I'm really excited to be talking to Michael today. He is a creative who works at the intersection of Web3 and the arts to create spaces of belonging. He co-founded the Zuckerberg Institute and has co-produced Tony Award-winning shows on Broadway. And I met Michael through a dear friend of mine and encountered him both online and in person through participating in the Zuckerberg Institute's hashtag first class and on the leadership retreat to Dharamsala in India that he organized, which was a truly life-transforming experience. So thank you for that. And I could say a thousand things about Michael. He's an educator, a researcher, an art practitioner who has traveled the world with the experimental theater company Theater Me Too and the Great Globe Foundation. And he truly is someone who I look up to as a mentor and as an example of just living as an artist and an entrepreneur and as someone who brings his full self to whatever he does. So it's an honor and a pleasure to be talking to Michael today. Hi, Michael. Hi, Sebastian. What an honor to and uh, opportunity to speak to you and to learn together. I think one of the things I think are so beautiful about podcasts are, are they're, they're really these opportunities both for a listener and for the two people interviewing or talking to figure something out together. So uh, I really admire you a lot and I've been reading a lot of your material and so I'm really excited to discover something today. Thank you. I'm excited to go down that road of discovery. Um, before we go down that road, I got this from you and Brian, uh, this this idea and the, the ritual of bringing something in a vessel of your choice to a meeting or a conversation. Um, so what did you bring as your beverage and vessel of choice? Yeah, I brought um, this. this uh, someone gave this to me so about, uh, I guess, almost three years ago, um, at the start of the pandemic, I asked myself, what can I do to serve my community? Um, and instinctively, I, I knew that like practice and ritual practice would be important. So I, I just said to Brian, I was like, hey, I, I really want to just organize these meditation in the morning. Um, this is kind of the height of the pandemic. And so I called our dear friend Geshe, Geshe Tenzin Damcho, and uh, started leading these uh, opportunities to be in conversation about mindfulness and also be in conversation about gratitude. You know, really training oneself to reframe in this really t tumultuous moment of the unknown. And, and now I've continued that practice for three years with a small group of people where, uh, we gather every morning and meditate and share gratitude and set small intentions. And so this cup, this vessel, um, says reasons to be grateful. And secretly one of the people in that group started writing down anytime I would write things I'm grateful for. And about three months later, I get this coffee cup in my, um, mailbox and it's, such a beautiful archive of all the things I was grateful for in that moment. Um, and I, I just think it's uh, such a, an amazing symbol and gift. So that's what I'm bringing. What about you? 
I love that. Um, I'm bringing something. Uh, I'm bringing a, a blue mug from West Elm because mm. I just love that brand and I love the aesthetic. Uh, but also, it's it's from Abu Dhabi, and uh, I recently mm-hmm. moved from Abu Dhabi to Istanbul, uh, and I bought this mug with. Uh, I don't remember if I bought it or if I got it as a gift, but to me, it holds a memory of uh, living with my best friend uh, and sharing a home together and having that that experience of of going through tumultuous times together and being there for each other. And uh, so, yeah, kind of in the theme of gratefulness and, and gratitude, mm. it, it kind of fits in. That's yeah. beautiful. Let's dive in with some exploration and discovery. The, you do the it. first Let's question I love to start. Yeah. The first question that I love to start these uh, podcasts with is when you hear artistic sensibilities, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I really appreciate this question because I saw it and I and I started to I love words. And so I started to be like, well, what does artistic mean? And then what does sensibility mean? So I looked up sensibility first, um, which is this notion of like a heightened uh, awareness of senses and then I looked up well what does it mean to be artistic uh, and that was this it, what it I, I took away from it there's many definitions of like being bent towards creation so I take that phrase and I think to myself okay to have an artistic sensibility is this ability to listen to oneself um, to sense certain emotions and then to create out of that or sense certain thoughts and create out of that it's it's interesting we go back to mindfulness already almost immediately (laughs) as a practice towards how to get in touch with an artistic sensibility because i think um the word artistic i i think people are very intimidated by that because people go well i'm not an artist and i'm not artistic and i For instance, I was just in Phoenix with my theater company. We were on tour of a piece that we made called Utopian Hotline. And I was sitting with a woman named Miriam, and uh, it was at the local diner. And I became friends with her, and and she was asking about what I do. And, you know, um, often, I'm sure, like you, it's hard to explain what I do, but I I try to make it as simple. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm here with a theater company. Um, and she goes, Oh, I'm not artistic. And I thought, I said to her, I was like, I'd like to disagree with you. Um, I've been watching the way you take care of the customers that walk in here. And I think the way you approach hospitality is artistic. And she goes, huh, I've never thought about that way, honey. Um, and it just made me (laughs) smile because she is artistic. Um, and I was inspired. I, I, I said, you know, my friend, Will Gadara, who's this amazing restaurateur, um, who really looks at hospitality as a as an arts practice, um, and so that's what I think about when I think about artistic sensibility—the ability to sense what is inside of you and to create out of that. And I think every human being does that; they just don't say it. And I think the opportunity when you train in the arts is that you're a little bit more aware of it in some ways because mm-hmm. you've been given tools to then take what you're feeling or sensing or questioning and then create out of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of, um, by the time that this podcast is published, uh, the article that I, I wrote about artistic sensibilities will, will have been released, uh, as well. And in that I use, I looked up that definition too of sensibilities mm-hmm. and what it brought me to was sense and senses, mm-hmm. um, and feeling with your whole self. Mm. So, so taking not only, for me, it's also not only taking what's inside of you, but using the receptors that you have to take impulses from the outside, mm. real look at how they affect you. Um, and then, yeah, have that moment of creation out of that. I, I love that. Mm. Um, but really expanding it to also, um, what do we, what do we see? What do we smell? What do we feel? How does that affect us? Cause I think mm. often I tend to kind of go back to what, what do I hear or how does what someone says or does to me affect me and how do I create out of that? But I think it's more than that too. Yeah. When it comes to the arts. Something that's coming in my mind. I was just with a friend and she is uh, a leader of a NASA mission. And, uh, we were talking about her NASA mission and it's, it's been delayed. And, 
she was saying to her to me like yeah i don't know if i want to spend the next 13 years working on this project because i've lost the i've 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 faced so many hardships in it i've faced so many trials that i've lost the the kind of excitement to get out of bed um and so when i think about artistic sensibility i think one of the questions i'm wrestling with because i just had that conversation last week is what is going to make me jump out of bed like so excited to conquer that and i i think we all have that within us and we've certainly had moments in our lives where we've touched that and the the goal is to say to constantly sense um how you get back on that line of um of going towards something uh i, I you and i both know these people but we there's a theater artist named Yersi Gortovsky, um, who passed in 1999. He's one of the formative theater directors of the 20th century. And he told my friend who was his uh, pupil, you know, there's a, it's like a, a line that you're on. And when you know that you're on this line, you can, you can sense it, right? Everything. Um, some artists talk about their hair standing on the back of their neck. Like you get goosebumps. You get excited to jump out of bed and then you actually know when you get off of it. And I, I found in my own life, it's a constant dance. And, and really, if you look at it from, uh, creation or, or even like, um, mythology, you're really writing this line of the known and the unknown. Um, it's mm -hmm. like dancing in some way. It literally is like, that's what dancing's like. And, order and chaos and known and unknown. And, and if you can find yourself right on this line, oh my gosh, you feel alive, but darn it. Is it hard? So hard, <laughs> which is why you do podcasts like this. Cause you're searching for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So maybe let's dig into that a little bit. Um, you were talking about finding, finding that line and walking on that line, but also how we as artists, um, maybe have a little bit more training in, in discovering those sensibilities and turning them into, into creation. Mm -hmm. um, take me a little bit of on, on your journey, if you, if you will, about your training, about um, discovering that line, maybe a moment when you've turned that sensibility into creation. Mm. Yeah, so I think this is a life practice and and there are multiple ways that one can have a personal practice and i, I think my foundation well, i know my foundation was in acting um, and acting if you if to really break it down is listen and respond right so you're you're placing all of your attention on an object or a person and sensing your impulse based off of another person or, or that object, what it produces out of you, and then acting on that. So, you know, if you think about the foundation of my adult life is training that muscle, particularly impulse, action, reaction. And so when I got, so as I searched the world and, and really encountered mentors, I started to listen to that sense in me to be like, Oh, I feel like I am, I need to, one of the things I encountered when I was in my early twenties is a bunch of artists and teachers that had gone across cultures and that ultimately defined who they were in some way. So they became, uh, their, their, their unique voice, um, emerged from that moment. So I sensed that in myself, I said, Oh, I I too want to do that. And so I began to search the world and took it on instinct into action. And then that's what led me to do a Fulbright. And then I learned what, during my Fulbright, the same kind of sensation when I came back where I was like, where am I needed in the world? And there was this sense, these images that came up of working in a refugee camp. Um, and so I launched into that um, and, and, literally launched flew to Africa and lived there off and on for a year. And, and so I mean, I'm, I'm like literally like fast forwarding over like major periods of my life, but, um, <laughs> all to say is like, there's, you could see, I always, and I, I hope the listener feels this way. It's like the things that scare me, the, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek as uh, Joseph Campbell said, uh, 
that the things that scare me that my heart pounds, I go, I don't know how to do that. I go, I have to go. Um, I'll give you a, a really quick example then I'll continue on my training. Like for instance, I, yeah. I got, um, invited. I have to go uh, now I have to go. I got an opportunity to go back to India in two weeks. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, uh, I need to go see Guru Call, which is a teacher that both of you and I share a teacher that I haven't seen since 2015. And, and so I contacted him and his wife and he's actually filming, um, a movie somewhere in, in Karnataka. And I thought, well, that kind of scares me a little bit. Cause I've never been to that area and I have to go kind of search for him, <laughs> but I have to go. The answer is yes, I have to go because I know at the end of the day, I'll learn something in that journey. Um, because it's, you know, but all to say is as I continued throughout my life, I, I started seeking communities of practice, um, and, and training both in mindfulness and my body, physical practice. And that led me to develop habits and rituals that in some ways cultivate or attempt to cultivate that sensibility. So I was saying to you before I got up, I was like, Oh, I got up this morning and I made myself work out. I made myself, you know, take a cold shower. I made myself do certain things, listen to music because I'm attempting to, in some ways, train that sensibility to be a little bit more awake. Um, yeah. And so that's how I would like, in some ways, like take 20 years of my life and yeah. be like, there's the kind of like through line. Thank you for distilling that through line. Um, for to me, you always seem to transition so easily between the arts and business mm. and bring your bring that awareness even to to something that might seem as might seem very dry, like leadership coaching. Sure. Um, and talking about businesses. How do you do that? I'm going to. Yeah. Ask a very open ended question. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a really good question. I, I think a lot about it. Um, for me, the, the thing I often relate back to is I so saw, I, I mentioned that I work with a theater company that you talked about called theater me too. And for the past 10 years, we've been, we've created multiple pieces together and, and often the pieces manifest in a very different way, but the questions remain the same the sensibility remains the same. The artistic aesthetic remains the same, but the output is different. And when you work on something you don't know how to do for, you know, three years at a time, there are moments that you hate it. There are moments you think it's bad. There are moments you doubt yourself. There are moments that you don't know where the next step is. There are moments where you, you think you're a fraud. There are moments where you don't know what you're going to do. But you trust that if you surround yourself with the right people that inspire you, that you, you, it will be okay. And so when I think about business, I think of the art of institution building, like the, that when I'm building a company or, or building a program, I'm really relying on my artistic muscles. At the end of the day, I just translate it into different tools. So the tools are now KPIs, which key performance indicators. And, but I, all I'm doing is I'm setting myself, um, a bar to set that I have to like constantly rise to. And I am constantly asking my, that question of who am I and what is my unique answer to this business question? Um, and how do I how does it become a reflection of myself, much like an art piece? What are the questions I'm wrestling with? And I think for me, it, it, it really is centered around those. It's centered around community. It's always centered around who am I gathering, um, the type of people I'm gathering, and then, um, the tools that I'm using. And it's, I would say business is just different tools than an artist's tools. Like, you know, it's like, it, it really is, um, learning and I'm getting, you know, I'm always learning. So I'm always learning the grammar of, of an art, uh, of a tool when it comes to building a business versus the, 
the grammar of building a, a piece of a theater piece or an art piece or so yeah it really comes back to an artistic sensibility as you say <laughs> yeah how have you yeah. learned have I you because you've I'm, talked to people having... yeah I, I was just gonna say as i've as i'm having these conversations and i've read i i just completed my mba in august so i've, I've kind of dove deeper into the more formal education around around business and, and institution building um i realized that often it's it's just a grammar and a linguistic difference um and it's it's more about sharing different words and different ideas and concepts with each other and letting each other into different realities um or the frameworks of the different realities that we live in based on the language that we use so i really love that grammar building and what you've identified the a kpi is something that is, is a word that we use in business or a phrase but then in in the arts that's that's a different it's about what what uh emotion you're eliciting in in the viewer or how you're reacting to that moment if it's if it's authentic um mm. to what you're what you're listening to or what is arising out of you um yeah yeah you're listening to a customer um, you know, and, 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 and mm. listening, like deeply listening to what do they want, right? It's the same, it's like acting, you know, in, in many ways. And, yeah. um, <laughs> it's, it's really actually when I, as you articulated, I, it validates this, um, it's like I was, as I was think as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, the art of, of building an institution, much like an art of building something, a piece like you don't know is you have to be willing to fail fast and create, create fast, pivot, create fast, pivot, much like you do in an artistic room, right? I'm going to create this, no attachment. I'm going to move on. And, um, also you need to have a mindset where you're like, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to go figure it out. Um, and you know, you and I can talk a whole nother podcast about arts training, um, sometimes yeah. <laughs> pivots people into like being like, I only do this. Um, in fact, I think yeah. the way education is moving forward, because I work with a lot of folks on the future of education is really learning, uh, teaching people how to adapt quickly because technology is moving so fast that in fact, the, the muscles you learn in a creation room are the muscles you need to create pivot, create pivot, create pivot, create pivot, no attachment. Um, it becomes, again, at the end of the day, it's like, I go like this, it's like building a business, artistic, spiritual. Um, and I, I, I would say this to, I wouldn't say this on a business podcast, but I would say this to you that it, I believe it's a spiritual practice at the end of the day. It is very ancient and to, you know, I work in web three, which we can talk about in a moment. Web three is based on trust. It's based on a human idea of trust. And so when I work in web three, I think about my time in Mongolia. I think about working with nomads. I think about how they build community. I think about the, the, the fundamental human representation that technology it represents versus Oh, it's a, it's a, no, it's human. It's very human. Um, it's just represented through numbers. Um, yeah. 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 The other, before we dive into, into web three, which I'm super excited to do something I want to layer onto what you said, um, that reminded me of maybe to go back to the arts, art, art training, um, something that you do in acting training before you start to develop characters is a lot of work on yourself to mm -hmm. understand who you are, where you come from. Um, I know when, when I did lucid body work um, mm -hmm. in Berlin, that was one of the turning points of understanding the persona and the shadow and the mm -hmm. child need and breaking it down based on psychological factors. Um, but un unless you do that work, I believe you're not able to authentically respond to a moment when you're yeah. someone else, when you're a character. And same for a business. If as a business, you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing or what impact you want to have and really laying the foundation for why you're selling something or um, if we want to like mm -hmm. vanity wise while you're selling something or why you want to create a different community around your brand or, or your product or your service um, or your project, 
until you know that and you have clarity on that, I don't think that people will trust you fully. So true. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's all I, I teach. It's all I that, teach. Yeah, it's all I, I, I lead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I currently lead an incubator in Web three, and and what I really teach at the end of the day is, I teach how that the importance of understanding who you are, and and what you're and specifying what you're doing. I mean, uh, we could go all day about the acting. It's like the the yeah. acting note I give to people because I also run a an acting studio with my mentor is simplify specify and i'll say stakes and what i mean by that is mm. hey whatever you're doing just make it simpler like don't do as much same thing in business simplify mm. specify um like make sure you're really doing that fully um same thing in business like specify your target um and then stakes why does it matter to you why are you the one to do it why do you have to get it right now and often you know knowing oneself that's that's the power of you know working in business often we're 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 reacting to internal like you you said talk the shadow or the the child like there are things at work that sometimes that are great gifts to us i certainly have them um because of uh, how i was raised and who i was where i come from and it's understanding those that allow me to move forward so I, yeah i could talk about yeah. it all day <laughs> But it's, um, I mean, the same for, for the uh, communications agency that I'm building. The entire idea is to unearth the stories that inspire founders. So really going, rather than just being a marketing agency that provides services, um, social media management, whatever, uh, to really say, no, let's, before we do that, let's kind of go back to the story that you want to tell. Let's look into why you built this business. What is the core of it? And then bring that through everything because I, I do believe that that exactly clarifies what you're saying. That what you put so beautifully, the simplify, specify, and stakes. Hmm. And I think in that process, you will often discover that unless you have that mindfulness as a business owner or as a founder, um, the stakes might be completely wrong. If the stakes are only to make money for yourself, then who who is going to relate to that or connect with it? Yeah, exactly. And I find that especially in the web three space that currently seems to be uh, uh, still a threat through it. It's, it's of a course. creation of tokens of coins just to make quick money um, to ride on a, on a high before we hit the bull, the bear market that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. but, um, maybe we move to that. Well, yeah. So you're, you're currently working um, as uh, the director for, of creative programming for hug studios. Mm -hmm. um, Tell me a little bit more about that. What is Hug and uh, what do you do? Yeah, so Hug was uh, co-founded by Randy Zuckerberg, who uh, is a colleague of mine, and uh, this woman named Debbie Soon. And the the goal of Hug is twofold. One is um, it, it's the ultimately to what they call build the inclusiverse, um, to build a, a more diverse Web3. And, you know, that is really looking at the empowering women, empowering different cultures around the world to, to remind them that they too belong at the forefront of technology. And so we've built a curation and discovery platform uh, that is really looking at curating and discovering projects uh, across all of Web3. And then uh, what I do is Hug Studios, which is an incubator that really focuses on um, projects that are launching in the space, projects that have already launched and are looking to scale, and then artist, an artist in residence program. And so I lead all of the programming um, centered around that and advise over 50 projects in the space. Um, and, you know, part of what I do at Hug is also I, I get to work with other big brands, you know, really look at their strategy of how they're interacting with web three and um really have an opportunity to co-learn with people you know one of the things i i think mm -hmm. i value as being a teacher is not the socratic method not standing in front of my students but standing with them looking at a problem mm -hmm. and trying to identify how we solve it together so yeah, yeah so that's a little that's bit beautiful. about hug studios yeah. 
thank you for sharing that um, yeah I'm, I'm a member of that community and it's so beautiful to go through that platform and look at the different projects that exist and just be inspired by everything yeah. people are doing um, and the yeah. fact that that I, at least you know i wasn't around for the birth of web 2 which is I mean, and, and when i say web 2 and web 3 i want for the audience i want to kind of define those because sometimes people are like what's that yeah. mean and it makes me sound smart so that, <laughs> <laughs> um so i but my hope is that everyone can understand this part of what i do is i'm a translator in some ways you know um web yeah. 2 is is what's called the i would say the um the social economy, right? So it was the rise of social um, interaction on the web. Um, so web one was when, you know, you could just go to a website and you could get information, but you couldn't interact with that information. See, like I go CNN.com and I could read the news. And that was a revolution. That was a, that's the digital revolution. Web two, uh, which really came about in the mid 2000s, was the rise of social media. The fact that I could go to a website, I could review um, things that other people could read my reviews. I could interact with people from around the world. I could connect with people from around the world. And then now what we're in is what I'll call the, um, the ownership economy. So th with the rise of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology, we have this opportunity to co-own things and co-own, um, worlds and, and co-design worlds and co-design programs. And so this is very new. It's only, you know, I mean, while the technology has been around since the late 2000s, it only started to really take off. Crypto started to take off, of course, throughout 2000, the past 10 years, but NFTs have really catapulted the uh, industry, which I, I always like to say is because the artist, it was art that really catapulted. Because um, art, you know, artists function often, they go into the places of the unknown to to beautify it, to make it accessible. Um, and then as, as someone who's on the front lines of this, the whole, this stuff is coming, it's coming fast. And um, big, 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 big brands will come to this and suddenly it will be invisible. Right now it's so intimidating. Um, you don't know what it is. So like it's, and it's clunky, it's new, it's new technology. Um, you know, in five years, it will be very invisible. Everybody will interact with the blockchain. They just won't know it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really exciting stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of building a foundation for a new world. Yeah. And the way we interact with each other, the way we can own things that we make or our own parts of ourselves that we put into the digital world mm -hmm. that we haven't been able to, to own before. Um, I love that. I love that uh, that definition. That was really helpful. Thank you for yeah, sharing. Yeah, of course. That. Um, so you're talking about the rise of, of NFTs and I mean, blockchain that the industry was really kind of, it was pinpointed to be born, uh, around 2012 or 2013, I think with, mm -hmm. um, Bitcoin. Um, so at the beginning it was very more of a, uh, a drive towards, um, decentralizing, uh, currencies and being able to not rely on a country's currency, but having a freer flow, um, of money that people can track and trace and um, yeah, all of that. So has that, how, how has that industry changed with the rise of NFTs um, as you've been observing it? And then as you entered into it um, now working on the front lines, do you feel like artistic sensibilities have been brought into that space? Were they there before something else you said was uh, you have, you have the ability to co-create um, what does that, what does that mean in, in this context of artistic sensibilities? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I've been crypto adjacent since 2017. Um, but it, it felt very, it didn't feel accessible at that time. And then about a year ago, uh, no, a year and a half ago, um, kind of during the rise of the pandemic, uh, people were at home and they were interested in, you know, investigating. And of course, people were interested in, in placing, uh, taking more risks, I think, because for a whole multitude of reasons. And suddenly NFTs came, you know, came up. And for Randy and I, who work in um, the theater space in New York, we found ourselves both advising and interacting with these amazing creators on the front lines of web three. And 
we felt more like we belonged there than we did in the theater community, which I thought was really interesting. Um, partly because they had this, they had more of an artistic sensibility. And what I mean by that is theater in New York is an institution. Um, it's old, it's very ancient, right? And so it moves very slow. And that's part of what, why institutions exist. You know, they are stable. Uh, Web3 is not very stable, as we know. It's because it's shifting so incredibly fast. And there's something about when you show up to that, there is a huge amount of artistic sensibility, a, a lot of questioning of what can we do? What is possible with this technology? And you have a multitude of answers to that. And that's what it, I think excites me because it goes back to that artistic response to a question. And I think people are filled with a lot of questions in this moment. And so with the rise, the fact that NFTs really pushed Web3 adoption forward um, is because it was, they were in some ways putting artistic identity at the center of that. You talked a little bit about this and we're gonna see this as time and the technology moves forward, digital identity. Um, the kind of rise of how do I show up in a digital world? And, you know, we've, I want, I want to say like, this is not like, uh, oh, you know, one day we'll, we'll live in this virtual reality. It, it might manifest that way, but it, it manifests right now. The fact that you and I are really in a digital world right now, right? We're not in the same room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, uh, and you've seen this on zoom. People sometimes put filters on their zoom. They, uh, sometimes put backgrounds on their zoom. Sometimes they'll put like little pirate hats, you know, like already we're attempting to change the way we show up virtually, um, curate our digital experience, you know, and, and as the technology moves forward, it's, and the opportunity to connect, and that's what it comes down to uh, in this, we'll call it metaverse, um, is the reason it's different from a video game is the amount of connection and experience uh, you can have. And the questions that are being asked around that are really exciting, really beautiful. So yes, so I have found it is a very deeply artistic space um, because no one has the answers. There is no codified uh, way to do things. And it's purely artistic response. And you find because of that, that when someone, going back to what you said about finding yourself, when someone answers a question with a very unique answer that is purely them, they succeed. Mm. Otherwise they, yeah. uh, they imitate. There's a lot of imitation in the space, um, all normal things in business, but the, 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 the unique answers are the ones that, um, they are the loudest. It's really fascinating. Yeah. To add on to that question of curiosity, the mechanisms of business don't escape that world. Yeah. Um, because you still need to build a brand or a project. It needs to be scalable. It needs to have some sort of income to sustain itself, to sustain the people that are working on it so that they can have a life. Um, if it is a full-time project, how, how have you seen creators, um, I don't want to say reconcile, maybe reconcile potentially the tension between this artistic sensibility and impulse of creation and answering a question in a unique way, but still having to maybe fit themselves into certain frameworks that allow them to be successful in the world that we're still living in. Yeah. They really struggle to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we we're also, we're in a moment where uh, you were talking earlier about what's called a bear market. Um, so at the right, the kind of beginning of the year, there was what's called a bull market. So everything was going up and everyone was excited and there was so much creation happening and people just wanted to respond and support creation. No longer is that the case. Now it's people don't have as much income to um, just throw at things. And so they're much more conservative and they're looking for what what I'll call utility. Um, 
And I think this is an interesting moment as an artist because I get excited because it's demanding that art have engagement, art have, um, it have encounter, it have some type of addition to just the art. And and again, I'm someone who, there is a place where art is art and and it can be art. Um, But art as commerce, art as business is a very difficult thing for people to grasp. Um, but it's, it, it will ultimately, you know, as someone who helps run a theater company, the only reason that theater company is around is because of business acumen, um, not just the art. Uh, it's the reason we, we are able to sustain ourselves. And it comes to, together to say, like, I, I like that you brought up, like, working full time on it, working, being, having it being sustainable. Those are all business tools. Those aren't art tools. You don't think about, like, I don't, when I create a piece of art uh, about something I'm wrestling with, I don't think, how is this sustainable? And how is this like, but because, but on the, on the flip side, if I apply business acumen to that, I can actually spread that art more in the world. So the tension is, is very, very clear, very, very true. Um, and that's why I'm so grateful to have both of those muscles. Um, and I fail at them, you know, both of them all the time. I'm not perfect by any means, but, uh, they hold me accountable because, because I've put myself being full-time as an artist and full-time in the world of business. I, I always say to myself, you know, Oh, this is like being in a show where I know it's going to close and nothing is certain. Everything is uncertain. And so I need to act as if this won't be around. Um, and I, while that's sometimes a little, brings me a little anxiousness, it also brings me comfort, um, to remind myself that, you know, imagine Sebastian, like imagine a year ago, did you imagine where you would be like, you know? Um, did you think you would be where you are? (laughs) Me neither, you know, and that's amazing. And that's a, that's an incredible way to live your life. It's also very uncertain and it brings it's anxious. And sometimes I don't know. And sometimes I doubt myself, but at the end of the day, um, it's deeply exciting to be on the front lines of that, to, to, Mm -hmm. to know that and trust that it will be okay. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Yeah. To have that that faith, it reminds me of something that I've um I hold dear from my lessons with Ruben Polendo, um, the the uh leader of Theatre Me Too, uh incredible theater director, um, who kept saying in our making theater class, which was this foundational class in, in my batch undergraduate, um, of just learning to make theater. Uh and and he kept saying um, and these are not his words, these are my words and my experience mm-hmm. of them. Uh, you, as the creator, you need to give your art and what you're creating meaning, meaning you need to have faith that it means something. Because if you don't think it means something, then why would anyone else think that um, there is value in it or that, that there is meaning in it? And um, that kind of instills this faith in you that as long as you believe that what you're doing has an impact or will have an impact down the line or will lead to something there's peace mm-hmm. and calm mm-hmm. even in the most tumultuous times and in the biggest storms so I, yeah I, yeah i really i appreciate that yeah i think of that lesson often yeah. um he i remember when he told me that story uh, it's really <laughs> powerful that's it, such a powerful lesson um i want to know a little bit more about how how can people who are entrenched in create in in being in the arts or who identify themselves as an artist and have been pursuing that and want to move into more of a business space or have more of a hybrid identity or engagement how can they position um their sensibilities uh to to enter into that space what can they do what can they say how can they change their mindset yeah um this is going to be uh, perhaps a simple answer, but it's the only thing that comes to my mind is, is simply do it. Um, and you make, you make the road by walking. Now there are ways that you can do it, right? 
you can go get an MBA like you did. That's a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can create your company. Just say that I'm going to create a company, which, again, I, I want to acknowledge is an act of bravery. It's an act. It's courageous. It takes it demands your whole heart um, because when you stake something and you say, I am going to do this, there's an opportunity that it might fail. Um, when I, so when I, I wish I, I wish like, for instance, for myself, I didn't think of myself as a business person. When I started a nonprofit, I didn't think of myself as a business person when I, you know, started an acting studio. I I didn't think of my, I, I was just simply building community, but as time has gone on, I've been able to, as I learn more business acumen, bring those ideas to fruition faster. So yeah, I think the, the act is doing it. Um, and you will most likely not achieve it at the beginning. Most people, you know, there's this mythology that, Oh, I run, I launched my business and I made thousands of dollars and I made, you know, I I was so wealthy overnight. That never happens. It doesn't happen like that. It's, it's slow, it's tumultuous, but I want to celebrate the opportunity to step forward and to say, this is who I am. It's, it's again, we'll keep going back to this and I hope it's not too much, but it's artistic in a way, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> it, and that's what I, I, you have to do it. You do, do not like Anne Bogart says as an art for director prepares. She was talking with directors. Do not wait. You know, mm-hmm. do not wait, create, create now. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. 20 years will pass by and you'll realize, oh, 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 here I am. Oh, I, I'm actually at the front. I'm at, at the front of the line now. Um, <laughs> and um, that's a beautiful thing. I love that. Yeah. This idea of just also in a way, do it, create, create something that you want to follow that impulse and you don't need to have it all mapped out before. Mm -hmm. Um, There doesn't need to be an end goal in mind in 20 years down the line. This is what I want to have achieved. Well, that is great. And uh, it helps to stay focused. I think there's power in just following the impulse of creation and doing and then looking back after 10 years and saying, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. This this kind of now all fits together. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've. Uh, I'm, yeah. I remember my my grandparent, my grandfather was like, "You're gonna make it one day." I was like, "Oh, I made it. I, I made it." You know, like, but it's <laughs> and it seems like oh, my dad would be like, "Oh, you'll find what you want to do one day." I'm like, "No, I found it." You know, like because it seems <laughs> like I'm doing like how how can I describe what I do? Like I do all these things. I and people always like I don't know what you do. You know, and I'm like that's okay. Yeah. Um but I believe in what I do and uh, I believe, and I, and I think this, I think we as a culture are becoming more accepting of multi, we'll call multi hyphenate um, is a phrase that's thrown around um, of people that do many things because I think the culture and the opportunities and the technology has allowed us to become multidimensional. Um, you know, my mom was a nurse. She was a nurse through and through. My dad was an engineer. He was not an engineer and an entrepreneur. He was not, you know, now I'm, you and I are multiple things. I can't imagine what our children will be, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's incredible. Maybe to turn that question around then, what can companies do to encourage bringing artistic sensibilities into their culture into their engagements i think you alluded to that already a little bit with talking about the metaverse and how many people how many companies are and brands are looking into adopting that creativity that comes with nfts um and that technology dive a little bit deeper into that yeah it's weird i as someone who both has experienced uh leadership training teaches leadership training teaches acting training I, I don't know. I don't think the answer is doing improv in cultural, se- uh, like company settings. I don't think it's that. Now, here's the thing. I want to be humble. I don't have the answer um, of how you train. And nor do I. I want to pr- pr- propose that I, I. I think I'm. I know what's best. Um, however, 
the only thing I, I think one can train, which I you can point to be artistic, that I've seen across people that are successful in business, um, and how we define success can be different. But for how I define success, is they're willing to place themselves in opportunities where they will look like a fool, and they'll be a beginner. And they constantly do that over and over and over again. And they put their full self into it, even though they're, they're not good at it. And I, and everyone calls them a fool and everyone thinks they're silly and everyone thinks like how crazy you are. But guess what? Those people are the ones hand over fist. I see quote unquote succeed. And so can a company, can a culture encourage, um, to give heart as, as you would put the, in the phrase of what the word means to an opportunity to train that you could train that through improv. That's a way to do it, you know? Um, uh, but I think every human being is different. And I think, I think it really comes down to the, if I was to like, you know, structure it, I would say every manager is holding potential in every individual's hand, um, that they lead and they have an opportunity to look at that person and say, how can I, if I understand that container of failure and, and, and doing, what is their mode of creation and how can I encourage that? So if I'm working with a coder, maybe I can encourage them to make a piece of a code that has nothing to do. They used to use a Facebook. They would, they would do hackathons and the whole role of the hackathon was creation. It was, it's a creative act is like, come work on something that like you would never work on at your at work. And we're going to discover something together. So that was like Facebook's answer. I think that's a really powerful answer, but that's, if you're a coder, if, if I look at someone who is a marketer, what's, how can I encourage that sense of failure and learning a new tool? Um, so yeah, that's my answer. I don't know the answer. I think at the end of the day, what about you? What have you discovered? Yeah. What have you, in your kind of searches and travels and MBAs and all those things? That's, that's a very good question. Um, my mind immediately got to do similar, I think a similar answer, do something that you don't usually do. Um, so, so th the easy way is to do improv training, um, but something simpler too is that I've discovered that I've done is just a simple breathing class or a simple voice class that can really change how people speak or feel. And it doesn't need to be like an overt theater thing. Um, it can just simply be, okay, let's, let's do some breath work and lay on the ground. I've, I did this with um, my interns who uh, at the art gallery where I worked at before. Um, I, I did that once to kind of let them into how do you speak in public? How can you speak more powerfully without um, straining your voice? Because it was just about that simple, you need to give tours. And I think that encouraged a bit more of a different pers perspective and it changed the working environment. It changed it to, we can be vulnerable in front of each other a little bit and we can have different conversations. So I think as some, something as simple as that, where you don't have to, be in front of other people and do something and act um, something introspective that you do together can really transform mm. um, the space as well and the mm. community that you're in. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard, yeah. especially when you're working so hard and you're building so fast and, you know, I work at a startup, so we all live around the world. We don't live in the same place. Um, and you think about how powerful it is to gather really it's deeply deeply powerful to gather and to have those incidental conversations those spaces um yeah it's it's those places of growth that really allow us to connect yeah yeah that i i feel like we could take a whole other yeah, hour yeah, to yeah. talk about this yeah um <laughs> but sadly we're at time so i want to ask you the the last question for mm -hmm. today which is uh what are your next big milestones and what intentions are you setting for them? Yeah, I, I really appreciated this question and you sent it to me in advance. So I've been thinking mm. about such things and, you know, and I imagine the listener feels this way that I, I need to ask this question more often. Um, I look back at this past year and I, I think to myself, 
oh my gosh, like I've never would have imagined that I'd be doing this. And what, what, okay. I, so actually, in fact, going to India and going to see Guru Call is an answer to that is to go back to often I go to Big Sur, which is a place on the West coast of California. And I go to a, a monastery and I sit in silence. And the reason I do that is because, um, it's to discover what is my next big milestone. Um, so I'm in the process of doing that. So, but when I, when I saw that question, I thought to myself, what, Michael, what's going to get you out of bed every morning? And the answer is one, I want to make this, um, incubator that I'm creating a web three incubator and to continue to find opportunities to onboard creatives or people around the world. I was just in Moldova, um, working with Ukraines and, and Moldovans and people that often feel like they don't involve, they, they don't belong in business. They don't belong in technology. I want to continue to make them feel like they belong. So there is this sense of like, I want to achieve a place that I look at it and I go, yes, that's right. That's what, whether you're an actor, an artist or a Ukraine or, you know, someone from a different part of the world, you belong, you too belong. Um, that's number one. So I, I want to continue to build this business that I'm building at hug. Cause I, it is, it is part of my legacy in some way. And so that's, that's that. But the other part is, is to balance while doing that, which is a very, uh, time consuming act balance my life and my art, because at the end of the day, art is always there and it, I'll have my art, I'll have an artistic experience. I'm like, Oh, there you are. Oh, I forgot about you. Not that I don't. I, uh, and so having a more dedicated arts practice daily practice. And so when I'm doing that, it's, um, I'm going down to get a banjo cause my family plays mountain music and I want to have that daily practice for me, no one for like I'm create. I'm working on a, some songs, but I want to balance that artistic practice. Not when I come into a room and work with theater, me too. And now I'm going to work as an artist, um, my own, this just for me, hmm. that my business and then my life. Um, I love that. And, and that's what I'm looking at. So I'm in process. And the reason, the ways I'm doing that is I'm going back to going down to where my mom's from, my family's from, I'm going back to guru call. I'm going back to places that place me in touch with Michael, not Michael, the business person, not Michael, the artist, not Michael, but Michael and searching in some way, how to, how to make Michael come through. And I hope the listener has their own versions and answers to that and hope you have your own answer to that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could tell you a KPI. You. I wanted to tell you a KPI. I wanted to be like my KPIs. <laughs> I'm going to onboard 10,000 people, you know, like, but I'm not there yet. Yet. <laughs> and I think that's fine. And I, and I love that you're sharing mid process. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's so good to be reminded that in somewhere we're always, in some way, we're always mid-process, and it's good to acknowledge that and to own that. Um, thank you, Michael. Where can people learn more about you if they want to yeah, find out um, about you? I'm on the socials, uh, at Michael Littig on Instagram. I don't really... I, 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 one thing I'm, I'm holding myself accountable, I'm always thinking about, I wonder if the listener feels this way, is how do I use those platforms for good? And I haven't cracked that yet artistically. I'm still searching mm -hmm. for that. So I'll leave, I'll leave a question around that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm on the socials, thehug.xyz. If you want to learn about hug and, and all the things that we're building there, uh, thehug.xyz. And um, yeah, it's an invitation for anyone that's listening. If, if anything I said to you is, sparks you, interests you, wow, what a gift it would be if you dropped me a message and um, we could open up a conversation and connect. Um, one of my deep loves is connecting with people from around the world, like Sebastian. Um, 
And so my, my, as they say, the kids say my DMS are open. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's where you can come find me. Yeah. DM Michael. Thank you, friend. Thank you so much. What an honor. And thank you for joining me on um, you're this incredible. episode. You really are incredible. And what a gift you are to all these people that listen to you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the arts in business. Episodes are being released weekly, so make sure to follow or subscribe. I hope you have a great week ahead of you.